0: Well, back from the Labor Day holiday weekend, refreshed and ready to go. Hello, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury for National Preview Online. Welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. Please follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash nationalpreviewonline. Our website, nationalpreviewonline.com. You can follow us on Twitter, on Parlor, and by all means, if you wish to contact me, or you wish a particular topic of discussion to be covered, or you wish to ask a question, please feel free to email us directly at nationalpreviewonline@gmail.com. at gmail.com. So, I just returned from a brief weekend uh, down the Jersey Shore, and while I was there, I didn't do any podcasts. I just wanted to take a break from everything, to get refreshed, because I knew when I got back, we'd be on the home stretch towards election day. We only have less than two months to go, and so we're making our final push. So I wanted to ponder a bunch of things to see if I could do sort of a, uh, a summary sort of podcast of a lot of the issues we're talking about, uh, that we've been talking about, and how they all sort of come together. And a couple of things became apparent right off the bat. This COVID-19 business has colored virtually every facet of American life since this thing first fell upon us at the beginning of this year. It has completely destroyed entire industries. It has completely destroyed businesses. It has completely destroyed the life of certain individuals. Or has it? Has it been the COVID-19 virus that's done all this, or has it been the mishandling of it by people in government? And I'm not talking about the federal government, because many of the steps taken by the federal government to arrest or impede the spread of this virus, I agree with. There was more than ample evidence to indicate that the virus emanated from China, and that China knew about it early on and knew a lot more about it than they let us believe they knew. And so they could have intervened sooner. We could have intervened sooner had we known these things. But when it comes to things like uh, restricting travel to and from China, I agree with that. And as other European countries became infected and therefore those populations posed a risk Travel restrictions there, I also agreed with. But many of the things that were done in this country, the most extreme things, as a matter of fact, were not done by the federal government. They were done by the state governments, and they have been taking them all the way. This continued closing. I mean, you could close for a couple of weeks. That might have been prudent. But these months-on-end-long closures of entire industries and states... Has crippled the economy. And now that we know what we know about this virus, it's clear that the purpose in closing is no longer to halt the spread of the virus. It's to break this economy in the hopes that it will destroy President Trump. You can see this very plainly in states like New York, California. Uh, These are the biggest economies. If they were economies on a world stage, I think I mentioned in some of last week's show, they're the like fifth and 10th largest economies uh, in the world. And yet the American economy has come roaring back in places that have been allowed to open. Now, why do I say a lot of this is unnecessary and why a lot of it was overreach? Well, we now know, first of all, these studies about the masks that were done show that the masks don't do very much, except make us all look like bank robbers. That's the first thing. Second thing, The Center for Disease Control, and by the way, getting back to the masks, if the masks were that important uh, and uh, prevented us from all being exposed to this virus, uh, it would seem to me that the people who are the big proponents of wearing them, like Nancy Pelosi and uh, Governor Andrew Not Too Bright Cuomo, they would be wearing them. Uh, But every time I see them, they got their ugly mugs on TV, unimpeded, uncovered by a mask. So it's all BS. Now, beyond the masks... The Center for Disease Control itself, as I've made clear uh, last week, says that at that time, approximately 185,000 people have died from COVID 19 in the United States since this began earlier this year. Now, that's not entirely accurate because as we're learning more about these deaths, we're learning that the majority of these people died with COVID 19 and not necessarily from it. I'll explain of the 185,000 people that died, only 9,000 people were in otherwise good health prior to contracting COVID-19, meaning only 9,000 of the 185,000 did not have comorbidities. They were not elderly. They were not obese. They were not compromised with COPD or cancer or any other disease that we know increases one's risk from not only COVID-19, but other maladies that we might get. We all know that the elderly are at risk of the seasonal flu, which is why they're always encouraged to get a flu shot, even though the, the uh, efficacy of a flu shot in any given year cannot be predicted since they're guessing what strain they're going to get. But this is not something that's unknown. The worse health you're in, the more at risk you are from any other contagion that comes your way. It potentiates it. So now we know that 176,000 of the 185,000 people were already sick, which calls into question just how lethal this COVID-19 virus was. Secondly, because of that, we now have to wonder if this sheltering in place didn't contribute to the spreading of the virus, since this thing was so contagious, and it definitely was more contagious than the seasonal flu, since people didn't have antibodies for it, the chances are, given the two-week incubation period and given the, the way it spreads, that most of us probably already had become infected with it prior to the lockdown. We didn't have many cases, so there wasn't a justification for a lockdown. But I expect that there were hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people infected before any of these cases came to the fore. And so now they call for a lockdown. And now we're all locked in close confines with each other. Well, of course, it's going to spread. And of course, you're going to get people, especially in places like the city of New York, which is a sanctuary city where we have illegal rooming houses, 10 and 20 people to an apartment. Of course, it's going to spread like wildfire. So we had that going for us, or going against us, I should say. All of this needn't have happened. Now that we know only the people that were already sick were the ones that were truly at risk, as I've been saying all along, and I'm going to say it again, those are the people who should have been encouraged to shelter in place, the elderly, the sick, the otherwise compromised. The rest of us should have been allowed to go out and about, get this thing, become infected with it, get rid of it, and basically rid it from our midst. As I've said before, and I'm sure this applies to many of you, I have an 85-year-old mother. She's generally healthy, but she suffers from things that many 85-year-olds do. She has a reduced respiratory capacity, and she is 85 years old, and she's had more than her share of um, surgeries, and she's a cancer survivor. So she's at risk if she gets COVID-19. And so I've dutifully tried to stay away from her. How long am I supposed to stay away from my mother for the rest of her life? I'm of the opinion that had we all, the healthy of us, been allowed to go out and get this thing, we'd all be able to see our loved ones again. And if this thing was so dangerous to the elderly, we have to ask ourselves the question, why were so many people in nursing homes unjustifiably exposed to this risk by having COVID-19 infected patients placed in those nursing homes. We now know that there was $14,000 in change in federal aid available to every state per person that was deemed to have died from COVID, which in and of itself incentivized falsification uh, of death certificates, taking people who died with COVID and putting down that they died from COVID just to collect that money. I was puzzled for the longest time, as I, again, explain on weeks past, but I'm going to hit it again because I'm putting it all together for you. I was puzzled for the longest time why the hospitals that Trump had built in the Javis Center lay virtually empty. While the, why the hospital ship, which originally was sent here to deal with non-COVID patients and at the begging of that piece of garbage, Andrew Cuomo, was converted to a COVID facility why nobody went to that ship. And then it became clear when I found out about the money. These were federal hospitals, not state hospitals. Anybody that perished there would not generate $14,000 plus in income. So for money to bail out this state from the fiscal irresponsibility that the governor and the mayor have subjected it to, your grandma, your grandpa, your mom, your dad, in nursing homes were placed at risk and many of them died. Make no mistake about it. That is it. Cuomo can talk all he wants about Trump causing COVID in New York State. Cuomo caused COVID in New York State. And we are in the process of starting a Facebook group calling for the recall election of Governor Cuomo and Mayor de Blasio. And we're calling for the investigation at the federal level of Governor Cuomo in this mess with an eye towards indicting him for homicide, multiple homicide for the deaths of all these people that perished in, in nursing homes, which I believe is something on the order of six or 7,000. That's not something that can be taken lightly. And this was not something that was done in the spur of the moment. This was a studied decision, in which case, it, in this case, is nothing more than studied neglect on the part of the governor. But look at what all this has wrought us. Democratic politicians in every state, controlled by them, cities controlled by them, have used this COVID-19 as an excuse for expanded government control in all facets of our lives. The NFL is opening, not that I have any pity for the NFL or any of these professional sports agencies. Nobody's being allowed to go to the stadium except certain stadiums. In the blue states where the governors control everything, nobody can go in the stadium. Even... In Kansas City, Missouri, where the governor is not putting restrictions, the NFL has decided they're only going to allow 16,000 people in Arrowhead Stadium. This is a stadium that holds 76,000 people. It seems to me that's not overly crowded. I don't know how good it's going to be. We've wrecked our economy with this. We have no restaurants still open in New York City, although the rest of the state is open at a reduced capacity. Now they're generously talking about opening up restaurants for indoor dining in New York City, beginning the 30th of this month, but only at 25% capacity. They cannot survive that way. And there's been no excuse for it. People have been allowed to go to Walmart. People have been allowed to go into supermarkets. People are standing on those two stupid little footprints six feet apart. They're going everywhere. But you can't go into a restaurant and you can't vote because... Voting in person is going to result in the deaths of everyone. Oh, this is about death. These people are so full of garbage. When you go into the supermarket and you pick up that jar of peanut butter or that jar of Hellman's mayonnaise, look at it, read the ingredients and the price, look at the size, and decide you don't want it and put it back, do- put it back down on the shelf, do you really think you're the only person that's done that that day? Do you see anybody running up right after you put it back on the shelf to spray it with sanitizer? Do you see that? Are you wearing gloves when you do this? I don't see many people wearing gloves. You're not afraid to do that, but you're afraid to go into a voting booth standing the same six feet apart that you do when you're waiting online to get in the supermarket. I see it all the time in Manhattan. Trader Joe's, there's a line around the corner, people waiting six feet apart. But you're afraid to go to a voting booth, or they're telling you you should be afraid to go to a voting booth. Take a ballot that nobody else has touched, fill it out, and walk out. That's going to put you at risk. But going to all these stores, interacting with everyone, not a problem. But this voting in person, that's a problem. And all of this has been done, as far as I'm concerned, to indoctrinate the public, to get them to accept this. The same thing was done with these snowstorms. Do you remember when we were kids? We used to pray for snow. My father loved snow. He loved to go out and challenge himself to drive in the snow. And back then, we didn't have the proliferation of four-wheel drive and all-wheel drive vehicles we have today. Yet now, for your own safety, they're closing highways. You can't go out in the snow. You can't drive. Because it's snowing, the world has to stop. And I got news for you. It isn't just snowing as far as vehicular traffic is concerned. In Manhattan, where I live, there was a friend of the superintendent of the building that was coming to visit him. The cops told me I had to go back home. He wasn't driving. He was walking. He was walking. And they said he had to go in. He says, I-, I was told vehicular traffic was closed. I wasn't told. I said, I'm not going back home. What is this? Martial law is declared because of a snowstorm? They're getting you to accept enhanced government authority, that government knows what's best. There's been a move inexorably across the globe for world government, globalization. And this is just one piece of the puzzle. Now, what I haven't figured out yet, what we don't know yet, was there collusion here. Everybody's talk about collusion. So far, there's been no proof that there's been collusion with the Democratic Party and the Chinese government, communist government to create this COVID-19 virus. What is abundantly clear to me is that the Chinese definitely visited this virus on the world and particularly on the United States because they got their clock cleaned by President Trump in these trade negotiations and they want him out of there. Now, whether they called anybody in the Democratic Party to let them know this was coming, we don't know. Hopefully, we'll dig a little more and we'll find out. But whether they did or they didn't, once it was here, the Democrats wasted no time in realizing this may be our last best hope of trying to get rid of Donald Trump, and it's starting to backfire on them. People now begin to realize what's going on. They see what's happening with this violence and Antifa and other things, and they realize maybe it's not such a bad idea to keep Donald Trump around. We had I don't know how many polls within the first two weeks after the conclusion of the Democratic and Republican National Conventions in 2016, all showing Hillary Clinton with a commanding lead. You haven't seen hardly any polls since the conclusion of the DNC and the RNC conventions, have you? And do you think it's because those polls haven't been taken or because the results aren't very good for Sleepy Joe and corrupt Kamala? They're not. Trump and Biden are tied in, of all places, Minnesota, where George Floyd died. Minnesota, a liberal state, and they're tied. This is all about corrupting our election process. This is all about destroying our economy. Everything has been done to try and undermine this president, and they've taken this COVID-19 thing all the way. Now the question becomes, what are we going to do about it? My greatest fear is that there's been no limit on the amount of fraudulent ballots that they've created, and they're going to try and mail in And I think they're going to try and falsify the postmarks to mail them in after the election. Once the in-person returns come back that night and they get a sense of just how many votes Donald Trump has won the states in which he emerges victorious by, so that they can mail in the appropriate number of fraudulent votes so they can defeat that margin. And that's the big deal with mail-in voting. In most of these states, the ballots only have to either be received by Election Day or postmarked by Election Day. So there's going to be a lot of playing with the numbers. As far as I'm concerned, all these ballots would have to be received at least a week before. Received a week before, logged in but not opened. This way nobody could be accused of sending in fraudulent votes just to make up the difference between Trump's margin of victory in a particular state after the fact. But that's not happening. So how are we going to get around this? How are we going to get around this potential fraud? Well, I'm going to tell you how. You're going to have to go out, speak to every friend that you know, whether he's an independent or Republican or a Democrat, anyone that you know is willing to vote for Donald Trump. And you're going to have to get them all to go out and vote in person. We need an overwhelming landslide. I'm not the only person that's calling for this but I'm reiterating it here because I want my listeners to hear about it. We need an overwhelming landslide victory in November, not only for President Trump, but for all of our elected congressional representatives, both in the House and in the Senate. We need to have a margin of victory so great that any attempt to eclipse it with fraudulent mail-in votes will be proof positive that they are fraudulent mail-in votes because the total number of votes are going to exceed the total number of registrants. And in that scenario, we're going to have to give deference to the ballots that that were cast in person. And remember, if you look on the back of your mail-in ballot, if you ever see one, they're clearly marked with a big D or a big R in the coding, which identify the registrant who's voting, either as Republican or Democrat. Well, why is that? So that people's ballots can be thrown away if we disagree with that party? That's not a blind ballot. That's not something that instills confidence in the public in our elections. Look, assuming that there is some risk to COVID-19 and you're a person who, despite the government allowing you to go out shopping, going to the drugstore and places like that, Uh, engaging in commerce day to day, and you have voluntarily decided not to avail yourself of that option and you're having fresh direct or some other means of getting your groceries and other uh, goods that you need, and you have a bona fide fear, you're a person who's sick or ill, and you don't want to go vote in person, I understand that. But there's already a method in place for you to vote without having to show up at the polls in person. It's called an absentee ballot, which is sent to a specific individual who requests it from a specific address. But as Attorney General Bill Barr said on CNN last week with Wolf Blitzer, that's not the case with mail-in voting. They're simply mailing out ballots to everyone on the voter list, and we know the lists are inaccurate. They, They contain people who are dead. They contain people who used to live at an address but don't live at an address. Let's assume this is a rental unit in some big city. And that voter list goes back 30 years. There may have been multiple occupants at that address over the course of 30 years, many of whom have moved to other states. Many of them have moved on to the great beyond and passed. And now we have the current occupant, who, if he's in the city of New York, is probably an ultra-left winger. And lo and behold, he gets five ballots mailed to five different people at that address. What do you think he's going to do if he's one of these rabid leftists that thinks Trump is the root of all evil? He's going to fill them all out voting for Joe Biden, he's going to mail them in. Now, maybe you can say, well, it doesn't make much of a difference because it's in New York and Trump's probably not going to win New York anyway. Well, you don't know that. If you haven't seen what I've seen on the streets of the city of New York, the filth that's on the city of New York, you've got more pieces of garbage, welfare recipients, bums, mental patients, exposing themselves, urinating in public, defecating in public, begging, stopping people, intimidating them to give them money. You would think with all the free money that's available in this horse manure of a town, on welfare and everything else, that nobody would have to go out and beg. And don't tell me it's because they're illegal aliens. They give money here to everyone. In fact, if you're an illegal alien, they're looking to give you more. So there's no reason for it. So this is what this has all been about, ladies and gentlemen. This whole COVID-19 is a hoax. I was so furious when I was down in Jersey. I thought maybe in Jersey, a little bit more of a law and order state, masks everywhere. And then I go to this hotel and I find out it's a smoke-free hotel. Now, it's not a hotel, first of all, it's a motel. So all the rooms are outside. So you have an outside deck. Couldn't smoke outside on the deck. Couldn't smoke by the pool. Couldn't smoke anywhere on the property. All right, inside, I get it, but outside, you couldn't smoke. Then you go to the beach, can't drink on the beach, can't play Frisbee on the beach, can't smoke on the beach, but they say, come here to Jersey, come to, to uh, Wildwood, Wildwood Crest and have fun. Well, how can you have fun when everything that's associated with fun, they've banned. You can't drink, you can't smoke, can't play Frisbee, can't do anything. Just sit there and let the waves brush over your feet. (laughs) Ha, 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 what gaiety. That's what you get in a blue state. So wake up, America. Wake up. You've been had. You've been played. This COVID-19 drama is just that. It's drama. What we need to do is put it behind us. Isolate the people who are at risk. Let the rest of us go out about our lives. Let's burn this virus out, and let's get back to business as usual. Right now, restaurants are looking at their death rattle if something isn't done and done soon in New York. The entire state's allowed to serve inside dining, but they want to restrict New York City diners to 25%, and the mayor threatening to revisit the issue if the infection rate goes up to 2%. But the protesters and the looters, as usual, have no such restriction. They can do whatever the hell they want. Well, it's about time, like a lot of people have been doing, organizing these flotillas for Trump and armadas of people rolling the interstates with their vehicles decorated for Trump. It's about time we, the silent majority, who just want to go about our lives unfettered by government intervention, and live as free people, and not be told what to do by people who don't know what the hell they're doing in the first place and have never held a job, to cease being silent. We need to be loud. We need to be known. Make your feelings known on election day. I don't care if you're silent the other 364 days of the year. On election day, you go out. You go out with everyone you know, everyone in your family, and you vote. You hang on that lever for Donald Trump and everyone else in the Republican Party. You hang on that lever for every congressman and senator in the conservative Republican Party. And you make sure that your vote is counted. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.